What's up, everybody? So I want to let you know that the Alpha Brain Golden Ticket Sweepstakes are still going on. And that's just a rad opportunity not only to stock up on your Alpha Brain or give Alpha Brain a try. Because if you haven't tried Alpha Brain, it's definitely one of those tools that's different than any stimulant you've had and gets your brain firing in an absolutely different way. And that's what our clinical research has shown, and that's what everybody who's tried it. You know, we've sold over a million bottles of Alpha Brain, and the results are in. It works. It's awesome. So this is a great opportunity, though, because if you get the Golden Ticket Sweepstakes, everybody is a winner, and there's a bunch of cool shit that we're giving away, from kettlebell sets to different other products, to discounts. Every single person is going to be a winner if you go to the golden ticket sweepstakes so check it out on it.com slash golden ticket and then enter the code and fill in the entry form there's going to be a grand prize for one of you which is going to be a trip out here to austin and on hq so you'll be able to come hang at the hq and do all the awesome on it things so definitely check it out go to on it.com slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of alpha brain well, fam, I got some good news. And that good news is that the Aubrey Marcus collection has some new shit. We have some redos and some remakes of some older designs that we used to have on the Space website. We have the ayahuasca tank, which we call Madre, which is super dope. It's a black tank, fully colorful. I think you guys will dig that. We have our LSD remake, which pays tribute to Mr. Hoffman, Dr. Hoffman, I suppose, who synthesized LSD, and that's a really cool design on a shirt as well, plus a new colorway for the Terrence McKenna tee. So check it out if you guys want. It's onit.com slash Aubrey-Marcus-Apparel, or you can navigate to the Aubrey Marcus collection from the apparel section on Onit. I hope you guys dig it. We're coming out with a bunch of new stuff. I'm trying on some new jackets and some new clothes, and uh, we're going to keep this thing going. I'm having way too much fun, and the feedback from you guys has been incredible. So I appreciate everyone who shopped the Aubrey Marcus collection, and if you haven't yet, definitely check it out. See if there's something that you dig. Much love, fam. And we are back with part two. And in between part one and part two, I rammed my face into a bunch of glass and twisted steel. So if my voice sounds a little different, that's why. Um, you guys probably heard a bit about my accident on the David Rutherford podcast. Of course, if you haven't, you'll hear a little bit more about it in this podcast as well. Just an interesting coincidence that in between recording part one and part two, that happened. Uh, but all is well. I'm healing a little bit every day, and no doubt this is helping drive deeper the lessons of this plant medicine journey that I was able to share with Kyle and Caitlin. So enjoy the podcast, and I'll talk to you after. Part two begins. <laughs> There's a few things that have happened in between part one and part two. I woke up, my car, a mangled bed of twisted steel, and my face dripping with blood and severed largely from the normal places of my body that happened that happened happened between part one and part two (laughs) wasn't expecting that i don't think anybody saw that on the forecast uh, no that wasn't part of the plan Uh -uh. just it feels like a lifetime since we recorded the last one i mean it's you know it's been it's basically been basking in the afterglow of (laughs) of peru just kidding. Yeah, bas- <laughs> just asking. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I pretty much can barely remember, you know, that headspace that we were in last time. And so much has happened. And I think it speaks a lot to integration and, you know. Well, there is a there continue. is a deepening of the lessons because, I, you know, I know I talked about how in that 
Wachuma space, I was taught to like look out at nature, look out at the trees, look out at the sky, look out, look in the mirror, look everywhere and say, hello, my beloved. And just see that, you know, my truest eternal lover is all of creation that's always there with me. And I think getting in an accident like this then denies me the usual access to creation. You know, I can't feel my face. I can't taste right. I can't smile right. I can't get in the sun because of the scars really i can't go swimming i can't do the things that i normally can um so it makes me appreciate those aspects that you know i was appreciating when i was on wachuma and then appreciate them even more with the you know retraction and inability to access those so that's been a huge part of this teaching a teaching that you know yeah wachuma can show me but pretty quickly even during part one i was already taking for granted you know my ability to go outside and look up at the sun and jump in the pool and swim some laps i mean everything else had risen to those normal usual levels of importance that really aren't that important and so it's this is really in a lot of ways like a continuation of this medicine journey and also you know, it's own in its own way, its own crazy ass Vilka <laughs> experience yeah, as well, where I'm that. having to reconcile with something beyond my control, something that is at an intensity level <laughs> that is unparalleled by anything I've had to deal with. You know, um, to speak on the continuation of the lessons, I think something that we really encountered in Peru as a group was our tribal dynamics and everybody supporting, communicating, and showing up for each other and working through challenges. And then, you know, we think we get over a really big hurdle together. And then this happens to you, who most of us, you know, regard as like a leader, a very close beloved friend. And not only are we confronted with death and loss in that regard, you know, sitting in the hospital wondering what's going to happen with you, but then also the tribal dynamics of like showing up in love and being like, oh yeah, all that bullshit doesn't really matter what really matters and having that opportunity to kind of sit with that and go, okay, I was all concerned about this, you know, two weeks ago, even in the jungle, mm -hmm. was I listening? And now can I like really listen? Yeah. Yeah. It's like we were, I don't know, kind of like reading these lessons with like minor importance. Like we were reading a comic book or something like, Oh wow. Look, Thor, Thor's having trouble with the fucking, yeah infinity wars these days you know but a slightly out of the you know the the depth of the personal involvement in some of these lessons because it's easy to go back to normal life and just assume normal life but you know for me i got just fucking yanked out of normal life so now i get a real chance to reevaluate and try to apply some of these deeper teachings that i've learned what a blessing what a blessing what a blessing <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right so where we left off was discussing vilka which is also translated as the sacred it's a combination of dmt 5-meo dmt and bufotenine three psychoactive components kyle had a pretty remarkable experience and he was sharing some of the gems of that experience but he also didn't get the chance to share some of the disgusting parts of the experience. And as someone the who's true dealing with the disgusting parts of his own experience, let's give people the 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 full the yeah. full Vilka story. The here. Full Vilka. We had uh, you know, we 
I think I, I think I grazed over the fact that Natasha thought my wife thought I was choking on my own vomit, which I was <laughs> until I heard whispered into my left ear, swallow and oh, okay, I'll swallow, <laughs> everything's fine. And of course, realizing how disgusting that is, I sit up and actually begin to purge into the bucket. But I was so it's such an out of body experience. I literally did not feel where I was in space or my body. My abs worked to sit me up and I was, I could feel the, uh, the palms of my hands holding the hand pan to puke into. That was it. Then I felt a ball of energy come up from my belly button as I would purge. And, uh, that first purge was as hard as anything I've ever done in the past. And I remember like hearing a fart, but not really feeling it. And I lay back down. That's a bad sign. I lay back down. A bad sign. I lay back down, and the entire bed was soaked. And I was like, "Fuck me!" I pissed my pants. Did I shit my pants? Like immediately, you know, go back to AMP 104. I think it was Warrior Poet at the time with Steve Shubin. And I think I just shit my fucking self right now. I just shit myself, and I can't feel it. And I thought it was just that wet. only would have happened if Ayahuasca you sat on level shit. Tosh's nicest, nicest chair, <laughs> with their most nicest blankets, something she'd crocheted with her grandmother for years, and you could just sit on it and just shat it completely. Uh, her most, uh, the, the most sacred thing she possesses, right? Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, I didn't shit myself, but I really, I mean, I, ha- I still had no feeling down there. I mean, and it was full emptying of gas if i had poop to poop it would have come out i mean the gas came out all the <laughs> urine came out the be- the entire bed was soaked i had to sleep above the covers with no sheets fully clothed <laughs> um just brutal you know and then continued on with that and you know it gets it gets grosser uh for those that want to hear that <laughs> you're warned now <laughs> there was a part you know like vilka it's a it's a powder and it's kind of grainy and I'm swallowing it as it's going down and uh, uh, swallowing it as it's coming back down and snorting it up. And then finally, I'm, my nose is so runny and, and it just I hear the word blow. So I lean over the bucket and then uh, I'm just cranking snot rockets out. <laughs> but they're so thick, they're not leaving. You know, like you blow a snot rocket on the street, you can shoot one away from you. This is just hanging. Oh, and, oh my God. And I go to grab it with my right hand. And kind of toss it into the pan and it won't come off my hand. And I'm just like, whatever. And just rub the snot all into my fucking face and bald head (laughs) until it's completely dissolved. And I'm rubbing, I must have been rubbing my face and head with snot for minutes, you know? And then I decide, like, this feels so good. It was pure ecstasy that I blew more snot into my hand and continued the practice of rubbing snot into my face eyes and forehead and uh i gotta say that was probably the grossest thing i've ever done in ceremony and maybe one of the most euphoric (laughs) it was like just pure ecstasy like just because you're shattering that boundary of what is gross what is inappropriate you know like all these things that we tell ourselves, like we ejaculate and come, and then we're like, ah, semen. You know, don't, touch it. don't touch it. Everyone here again. Freezes. <laughs> Everyone's like, as a girl, you just lay there frozen, like, wait, waiting for something to save you. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so stupid. It just yeah. came out of our body. You know, it's, it's like so we have all these biases. Sweat, too. That's yeah. another thing that everybody like recoils. Oh, don't hug me. I'm sweaty. Yeah. So weird. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. yeah. Well, get you shattered got, you, in the jungle you transcended that <laughs> yeah it, you know what i what i i think now looking in hindsight 
there was so many opportunities. Thankfully, I've I've had a decent amount of experience leading up to that where I was forced to learn the hard way, but now I can learn gently to relax and surrender to it. But every opportunity I was told to do something, I just did it. There was zero resistance. It was like, okay, I'm going to swallow my own puke. You said swallow, bang, I swallow it. Uh, blow, I just blow the snot rocket. Rub it <laughs> in my face, all right. You know, like there was no mm. resistance to any of these things. And for each one that I said yes to, there was a benefit. Obviously, starting with not choking on my own puke being the biggest benefit. Um, you know, and then but going forward from that, like everything panned out appropriately with that kind of non-resistance go with the flow Wu Wei act in, in the Vilka experience. That's me. such a wise, you know, introspection on that because we always have the opportunity to ask our higher self or ask our soul, like, is this the right path? Should I be doing this? And typically we'll get an answer, but most of the time we don't bother to ask, you know, we don't check in and say, Hey, is what we're doing here? Is this the right thing? Like before I got in the car and I got the car wreck, did I have a moment when I was driving the car like, okay, everything good here? Now, let me check in with myself. We all set? Like if I did, maybe this whole situation would have been avoided. Maybe that wasn't what was supposed to happen. Maybe it all happened exactly as it should, and I think it did. But regardless, like in the future, remembering to ask myself these questions, like what should we do? Is this right? What should we do next? You know, and just come to those and it's not asking the mind because the mind will spin out a million different hypotheses, but it's asking the soul. You know, like Paul Check walked us through on that first podcast we did here on on the show. But that that higher self, that knowing, that sense of knowing, and that's what you're talking about. You're talking about listening to your knowing and just following, you know, blindly following those orders that are coming from that sense of intelligence that's within us all. And if we all did that. I think we'd be significantly, you know, we'd learn significantly faster, advance on the path significantly faster than trying to just do everything based upon our mind. Sure. And I think if you start the conversation and you ask first, then you make less room for fear to creep in and tell you what you're supposed to be thinking and feeling. Um, and I think it's really interesting also how um, the mind gets in the way of the knowing. And I think for most of most people, and myself included, we've grown up for most of our life thinking of knowing as being related to the mind, but it's really like it's in the heart and it's something, it's at a different frequency. So, yeah, it's so much deeper than that, right? Yeah. But whatever we have in our minds of how it should look or how it's supposed to be, that's often what the struggle is. That's where the resistance is because I'm not supposed to piss my pants or I'm not yeah. supposed mm -hmm. to rub snot all over my face or I'm not supposed to whatever, fill in the blank. And not just in Vilka, but in life in general, you know, I mean, how much worse of a place would you be in right now if your mind was telling you, I'm not supposed to get into a car accident? Mm -hmm. mm, yeah, totally. You know, I'm not Massive supposed to pass out yeah. while driving. Like all those things are, are that fucking shapes your perspective in the healing, yeah. right? And what yeah. you gain from it. My cortisol would be spiked. I would be restless. I would be suffering immensely if I if I really believe that. And I think other watch even watching other people around me, like those people who have a deep fear for my safety, like this kind of shocked them Hi. into like a deep fear, <laughs> right? Like their advice isn't a sense of knowing. Their advice is a is a sense of thinking based upon fear. No, 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 don't do that. 
don't do that because and but what are they saying that why are they saying that well they're saying that because they're afraid for me because they've seen me be mortal and almost almost die and they're so their natural fear-based thought instinct is the most conservative thing well the most conservative thing isn't necessarily the right thing you know it's just that's one opinion but it's their fear in their mind you know kind of collaborating to create that you know whereas someone who can liberate themselves from that fear liberate themselves from that and just ask you know they will have a totally different perspective and that's the opinion and that's the perspective that would be immensely valuable like well you know this podcast is going to take a lot of energy but i feel like it's going to reach a lot of people in a positive way so go get it go fucking get them tiger you know like that type of advice is the type of knowing that not only do we have available for ourselves but we have available for other people to get get out of our own fear-based constructs and our own thinking constructs and get into our knowing and then advise ourselves and others along the path yeah i think um i i'm definitely one of those people that well, for obviously have been very, you know, it's very scary for me when you were injured, but um, I'm generally dictated by a lot of should in my life and that idea of what I should be doing, even if it's like, oh, I should be doing more, you know, cortisol constantly. And um, it was a journey for me. I was able to, I think, get on it correctly pretty quickly, but wanting to protect you and give advice and I'm sure the energy is palpable, you know, and I think people take on energy in that way too. We all take cues from each other. If somebody's terrified for you and they're like, uh, you know, you'll take that energy is coming at you. And if you don't have a good sense of personal knowing, you might adopt that and really like it might shape the way that you perceive your own experience and your gifts and blessings in the world around you. Yeah. I mean, you have a kid, Kyle, like if, if bear, you know, kicks something with his foot or stubs his toe or does something wrong and you look at him and go oh my god you know he's gonna freak the fuck out (laughs) yeah you know but if you do as you do and be like it's all right buddy you're fine you know then he'll take your advice for it and be like well this really fucking hurts but but dad doesn't seem worried yeah so maybe i am okay you know And, and i think that's the role that we can play with ourselves and with everybody else just like we can with the kid yeah, and checking in, you know, like you mentioned, but also, re- you know, recognizing, is this mine? You know, there was mm-hmm. so much, so much of the fear that came up the second, I know I've told this trip report many times, so I won't go down the rabbit hole on it. But the second time my wife and I saw that we were having a child in ayahuasca, all the fears of being a dad came up. And then I asked, like, is this mine? And quickly realized like, that's what everyone else tells you. You have to have all your ducks in a row. Everyone else tells you, you need to have medical and dental and a fucking 401k and a retirement plan and a job that pays better than the UFC and to not live in your mom's garage Mm -hmm. and all the shit that we had going (laughs) on for us, but there's no perfect time to have a kid. So realizing that wasn't my own, it allows us to move forward and have our amazing son. And now we do have a house and a 401k and all the things (laughs) we're supposed to have. Yeah, what do you know? But it doesn't have to be in that order necessarily. Yeah, totally. That was a big part of Peru for me too, is I I've, uh, have a lot of anxiety and personal stress that's dictated by these ideas of what I should be doing at this point in my life, what I should have actualized. And I had a, a beautiful moment of recognition that growing up before I was had all these ideas imposed upon me about what I where I should be, you know, lifestyle-wise, should I be married, should I have children by now, you know, I'm 35. 
Um, but when I was a little girl, all I wanted to do was have adventures. That's what I fantasized about. You know, I didn't fantasize about having a family. <laughs> I didn't fantasize about any of these things. And then I adopted what society wanted for me. And then I used that as a way to punish myself constantly. And um, I was able to kind of return to that true knowing of what I've always really wanted and appreciate it. You know, we actually, most of the time, are where we want to be, I think. We're just taking on other people's expectations and making them our own. At least for me, that's been the case. Yeah. Yeah, that that feeling that everything is as it should be right now. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that it's the best it will ever be, but right now, it's as good as it can be. And like always knowing that and knowing that tomorrow it can be a little bit better and the next day it can be a little bit better, but right now, everything's good. You know, not yeah. projecting yourself into the future and judging yourself according to that, or even worse, projecting yourself into the past and imagining that. I mean, that that trap is even harder. Like those people who had their glory days in the past and then they can't live their present because their present isn't the same as what their past looked like. like Uncle Rico. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's, that, that trap is almost like a meme now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like something that, everybody kind of understands but we can do that both with the past and the future when just really appreciating that okay yeah i can't feel my fucking face right now it's a little bit weird when i talk you know my lips are swollen my nose hurts i'm tired when i wake up but doesn't mean that today can't be the best fucking day that it possibly can be of course it can you know everything Mm -hmm. can be perfect for right now and believing that and knowing that actually makes it possible like makes it a reality denying that puts me again into deep deep suffering one thing you said this week that was really um tremendous for me was you said nothing happens for a reason but everything gives you an opportunity to give it a reason and i think we get a little hung up on that when we're struck by crisis it's kind of like oh what's the reason in this oh i didn't respond properly well, everything you're doing is your choice on how you respond to that. And everything you're creating from it is your choice. And it's not like you did something wrong and now you're going to be karmically punished. You know, no, maybe some from some, you know, alternate realm after this life, we'll be able to look back and look at, you know, potential versus what we achieved. I'm not sure. But um, there isn't right or wrong. You're a master creator and you can use every waking moment to create something new. And maybe you needed a harsher lesson. Maybe you needed to learn from something that was a little bit more stern. You, maybe you needed a little bit more suffering to really understand the message yeah. that was coming through. I'm a person so. who keeps getting the same lessons over and over again, which <laughs> feels very defeating. And maybe uh, some people out there can um, can relate to that. But Peru for me this time and Vilka was very much of a homecoming as far as like self-love. I had a much more graceful experience than I think some people did. Um, I felt the best I've ever felt. I felt my, the truest I've ever felt. I've lost that a bit in the uh, in the mundane chaos that we return to inevitably, um, and that's okay too. I think um, I'm having more compassion with myself for the fact that the lessons are going to keep returning because I'm the same person and I have the same entities and the same agreements that I came into this life with constantly, and I had this. Um, I kind of, I struggle with addiction in certain ways, addictive tendencies, a lot of self-destructive um, behavior. And uh, when I came back from Peru, I had this complete sense of wholeness. And I really felt like 
I did it. You know, I got rid of it. I got rid of my hungry ghost energy, as Gabor Mate um, so eloquently referred to it as. But um, I didn't. It came back up this weekend a little bit. And, you know, it's not going to be gone forever. It's how much can I feed myself in the ways that are going to keep it at bay, keep me in a good relationship with it. Um, I think every time we have certain expectations for complete and radical change, we're setting ourselves up for disappointment. So, you remember what Mugenda told us when we did that aboga ceremony so many years ago about those two different forces within ourselves? He's basically describing that destructive, those destructive negative forces, and then those positive, constructive, uplifting forces. And I asked him, I was like, well, how do you, you know, how do you make sure that the positive forces win? You know, like, how do you de- destroy the negative forces that are within you? He's like, oh, man, you don't destroy the negative forces. You just feed the positive forces. Yes. And you just allow them to outpace the negative ones to such a degree that it's no longer a race anymore. You, you know, know it's, that's, that's exactly what I've, uh, has been one of my lessons this summer. Because be going into Peru, I wanted to do it this, right this time. And I did like full dieta beforehand. I didn't drink. I didn't even drink coffee. I really wanted to show some devotion to the medicine because I'm not very good at that normally. And sure enough, I had a beautiful, like sub- relatively sublime experience. And then I came back, uh, spent the first weekend in a casino, and you got in the wreck. And then I started obsessing over Burning Man, you know. And, and just you had to move. Had to move, <laughs> super stressful. So just uh, started doing the coffee, you know, other things, bringing back in <laughs> a variety of other things. I mean, I went full swan dive off that wagon <laughs> back into the real world. And it felt like it's such a defeat. It's like, oh, I've still got this demon in me. Like, no, you're just feeding the demon yeah. or whatever. You know, you're just feeding the darkness. And now the light is, it's still there. It's just hanging out waiting for you to throw it a bone. <laughs> yeah, waiting for you to blow wind, but blow wind at that sail. Yeah. You know, just give it that little. But even in that in that defeat, I learned, okay, this is the this is the way. Just feed it again. It's not like I don't have to sit around feeling like I failed. You know, there's a lesson in everything, right? Doesn't yeah. matter what it is. What what are you teaching me right now? It's such a great question, right? And that's a, a great question to ask when you're on top of the world and you're like, fuck, I did it. It's gonna be here forever, even though you're not. <laughs> like, well, okay, what what can I learn from this? And when you're on the bottom too, what what can I learn from this? And to know that you you will never not be the hungry ghost because humankind has the hungry ghost. <sighs> like you're never going to be separate from what all of humanity brings. That morphic resonance field, if you know, is what Rupert Sheldrake calls it—the collective consciousness, the the identification of self as all. You know, meaning that you share all of the burden of all of consciousness and all of humanity and all of the triumphs and all of the failures and all that. Like we all have that to certain degrees. They're all little tiny embers that we can blow into, you know, raging fires. Some are more have more tinder and we have more practice and we're more inclined to do it. But whether that's anger or violence or love or compassion or empathy or altruism, whatever, like we got all that shit all of it all of the stuff and it's just recognizing that all that stuff is self and then it's our choices where we put our air where we put our intention where we put our energy and overwhelmingly that choice is enough to determine 
who we are. That's what matters. Sure. So for me, just to finish this off, so Vilka, we were um, we were doing Vilka together as part mm-hmm. of our ritual leading up to our bead exchange ceremony, <laughs> and I had a really rough ride with the Vilka. I like pretty much lost my mind, which is crazy because that's never happened to me before on DMT. I've smoked DMT 50, 60 times. I don't know how many times. Ayahuasca, you know, close to 20 times. Vilka, this was my third. Um, five MEO. I mean, I've done the full gamut, right? This is, I'm not a stranger to this. Never had an experience where I felt like my own thought processes were in jeopardy. But recognizing that my father had lost his mind five, six years ago and seeing, you know, him alienate everyone around him and kind of be such a detriment to his own legacy, you know, the the struggles that he's been going through. <clears throat> I think I internalized some of that fear and I hadn't really processed it because I'd gone past my fear of death. Like if this car wreck took me out, okay. Well, I don't get to write my books. I don't get to enjoy physical love anymore. I get denied the opportunity to be Aubrey, but <clears throat> still, like, as what did happen, all the love is there. My legacy is there. I pass off to a pure consciousness being, and I look back, and I say, man, that was a shame. I was really whack. I fell asleep, and then I didn't wake up again. That sucked, but all good. You know, I, I did, did my best during the time I was there. But what's way worse than that is, let's say I did lose my mind and lost my thought faculties and lost my sense of direction and balance, and then I started just being a total dick to everybody, you know, and then lost my way. That would be a tragedy far worse than death. And I think Vilka was walking me through that outcome as Ayahuasca walked me through the physical death outcome, the not existing at all outcome all these fears that i that i've had and the medicines walked me through this time it was walking me through your brain's going to be scrambled and you may not ever get out but through that process even though like i was telling you i only had two words available nintendo and pajamas those are the only things that i could say (laughs) i kept saying them over and over again in my head i had this faith like all right right now i got nintendo pajamas but eventually i'm gonna have the rest of my words and i'm gonna be okay like i didn't indulge the fear you know i didn't choose that fear path that would have said this is it you're fucked you've gone crazy in the jungle and you're gonna you'll never make it back and i think you know just like with this accident i haven't indulged the how could this have happened why did this happen i can't believe this happened this is such an inconvenience you know, I haven't chosen that path. And in the Vilka, I didn't choose the the other path. And so I was able to move through it. And, you know, after a good hour, 15, hour, 20 minutes, you know, I kind of tapped you and said yeah. something like, hey, I'm having a really hard time. <laughs> well, it was such a relief because I actually, um, I, I'm really good at just being comp- surrendering and being completely still in medicine ceremony, like it's hard for me to throw up. It's I don't move around much. And I needed to pee really bad. I thought I couldn't feel my body at all, but I felt just like this blinking signal right in my bladder area, kind of. And I would look to my right and it was just the abyss. You know, I couldn't uh <laughs> like I was like, there's the bathroom's gone, so I'm gonna close my eyes again. 
And then when I finally felt your presence return to the room, it was like, oh my God, I can start trying to like navigate this space again. Um, the only thing I did uh, notice was a sound, constant sound that sounded a bit like a lawnmower, but it was Kyle. <laughs> across the way I was like well, who's mowing the lawn no that doesn't make sense <laughs> and uh, where is that coming from can't tell must be an animal um but <laughs> but yeah turning over and um and I saw your hand and it was like it was almost like pulling me back into the world um and then hearing your I mean I think that that's super resonant I think we we all kind of have that terror of of losing our sense of self and uh being able to hold space with you in that was really, really is medicine for me as well. You know, mm -hmm. I think who we, uh, who we go on our journeys with, is a big part of the medicine too. There's so many layers to these experiences, um, and that was something that pr proceeded to um, develop in the rest of our time there as we worked through tribal dynamics and, you know, how we all, re how we all work together, kind of cosmically and energetically to deliver messages and lessons and healing to each other. And, um, you know, I had, I'd actually done two trips down to Peru on my, one on my own and one with the group. But the first one was pretty harrowing for me because I had all that shit and terror of like, I shouldn't be here. Maybe this is bad medicine. Maybe I, you know, maybe I made the wrong choice. What if I never come back? I felt like my first time with Aya, I felt like I'm never going to be the same again. And, I don't. I couldn't imagine returning to any sense of self. It wasn't the same kind of like exactly the same kind of feeling, but this sort of terror that I would never really un feel like myself again. Mm -hmm. And then coming back this time, it was like I felt you know like a warrior queen. You know, mm -hmm. I wa I walked back to that room with you on the bridge, and it's like we're walking into you know the cosmos, and I'm just like about to lose it. And I'm just like one foot in front of the other. And then I just landed on the bed and it was like, everything's gone. Everything I know is gone, you know? That's the, I mean, that's the beauty of the medicine path is just this constant ability to push yourself beyond anything that you normally would in waking life and just cross over the abyss and come back and then cross over the abyss again and come back and every time you come back you have a little bit more faith in yourself and you're a little bit stronger and wiser as long as you're mindful not to do it so many times that you lose your ground and you get stuck somewhere in purgatory in the middle where your you know feet are halfway in the astral playing twinkle toes and the other feet are on the ground like make sure you're firmly planted Yeah, we're supposed to be here yeah <laughs> but but you know this is when done right these rites of passage help us define who we are and then set us up like people have been very complimentary and sweet about my attitude surrounding this accident well i've never gotten in an accident before i've never had a car wreck like this broke my arm playing basketball but nothing like this well what prepared me for this i don't know the absolute destruction and dissolution of my ego and sense of mm -hmm. self countless times over again in the psychedelic experience like i've had this practice uh, having every bug eat your flesh <laughs> it's and a bone. training ground exactly spiders crawling in my eyes and exploding out my face like i've done some shit and that's you know? my fear um like i think we want immediate results so for me the first time i went to peru 
I was scared as shit. I thought, you know, I felt the truth of it, but I was by myself getting on the boat on the Amazon River at nighttime with people that don't speak English, and I was all alone. And it's good to be afraid. How do you grow? You know, how do I measure my growth as a as a person here four years later if I didn't if I was just always a cakewalk for me and I didn't care? You know, like this is a it's um the ways we project and then assimilate our projections and and measure them and weigh them are how we how we determine where we're at from where we've come and where we want to go. And I think that um it's good to be afraid and it's good to piss yourself and it's good to, you know think, oh my God, I'm losing my mind and and show yourself that you can hold on to Nintendo pajamas and get back <laughs> to it, you know? Yeah, it's, like, it's like Jordan Peterson said, to know yourself, you have to test yourself. Like, how do you know? How do you know what you're made of? Like, how do you know? Well, you can do it in the physical. You can physically test the body and you can physically ram your face into a guardrail like I did. That's a good way to understand. But that way is, is a lot more challenging and takes a lot longer i'm going to be healing for the next few months you know and it's a massive sacrifice you know and a very valuable one but nonetheless you can do so much of this work just with your mind just with projecting your mind to these different fears and these different issues that you have if you are willing to go on that psychedelic medicine path of course with the right person at the right time when you're called all the caveats like don't go willy-nilly into it but and that's really the the beauty of this. The beauty is you get to you get to practice life at full one hundred <laughs> levels, you know. But then the next morning you wake up and you're good, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Like you don't have to you don't have to learn. Like as soon as you learn the lesson, the thing is over. And that was a frustrating thing for me a little bit. I was expressing last night when I was at dinner. I was like, like fuck. I feel like I really learned most of the lessons that i needed to learn for this accident (laughs) my fucking face still hurts you know like i guess there's more lessons you know i'll keep looking for more lessons but in the psychedelic space when you get all the lessons you move out of the level yeah you're fucking out of that level you're into the new level you maybe you're in a really dark level and you need to learn the lesson of that dark level you learn that lesson you go to fucking butterfly world like immediately you're like ah butterfly world i fucking made it i mean how sweet is that yeah you know and that's the advantage of doing it in the psychedelic space yeah and the continued lessons too you know like i've always one of the common themes they say in ayahuasca is you know continue to be on dieta after you finish don't have sex for the first three days after the ceremony to continue to allow ayahuasca to work the medicine is still in you and that's something that I take with any medicine journey now, just knowing like for sure that whatever that plant consciousness is, is still with me. It's still mm-hmm. in my body for days after. Um, I, got, I had to go back home to California to pick up Bear and got to visit with my family who's all there. And we, you know, we went to the beach. We went for a beautiful hike at Rancho San Antonio, one of my favorite places to hike and where I was born and raised, you know, to reconnect to that space and my family. And in doing so, the medicine was still working incredibly strong. And um, uh, I think I told you guys this, but my I was hanging out with my father and who I have a great relationship with, and we've done ceremonies together, and it healed a lot of things. And my nephews were running around on this trampoline, and they're both 18 months, twins. And they're running around, and they kept playing this game where 
I mean, it's netted. You can't really get hurt inside it, but you can come out to get up and down and then go back through this other little spot. So they thought it was really funny to come out and then shoot back in. And every time they did that, they could potentially fall flat on their face on the concrete four feet down, right? Mm -hmm. So my dad was getting really nervous. The kids were going to get hurt and he's yelling at him, knock it off. You guys stay in there. And he's yelling at him and I'm just kind of giggling, watching him get worked up. And, um, he kept getting worked up and then he was like, I'm going to warm your ass up. And I just burst out <laughs> laughing because I remember hearing that so many times as a kid. That's such like an old fart saying, you know, like, I'm going to warm your ass up. But I was like, dude, they're fucking 18 months old. They don't understand a word you're saying. They're just learning how to say no right now. And it sounds like, nah, nah. you know, like they can't communicate that. And, you know, my knee jerk reaction as an adult now, not fearing my own ass whipping, was laughter because it was absurd to me like come on take it easy they're little kids if they get hurt big deal we don't need to hurt them in fear of them getting hurt yeah themselves right and uh, i went to bed that night and i had a dream where i beat the fuck out of my dad i was driving a car with him in the passenger oh, seat and uh we were arguing about something and i was like i'm gonna fucking pull the car over and he's like if you do we're going and I fucking yanked the wheel, <laughs> pulled over, and I mean, fucking just blood all over my body. Never have had a dream that violent. And I woke up, it was 6 a.m., my heart was racing, and I was like, oh, fuck. <sighs> oh, that's still there. Like, so much of that, mm. my own personal trauma was still there, and that was a trigger for me to see his interaction with those kids. You know, mm. but beautiful because like, obviously you'll hear it here and I'll talk to him about it before this podcast release. But, um, you know, the next day we went to the beach and all the kids are playing and I just gave him the longest hug, like embarrassingly long. Like, like he just, oh, okay. You know, and didn't tell him why just fucking held him, you know? And, um, what it came to me in that hug was the presence of my grandfather, his dad, in my ceremony. It's the first time I've had a family member there. And I'd kind of thought to myself in the ceremony, like, how the fuck's granddad here? He was a dick, you know? And then realizing like, oh, his higher self doesn't participate in that level of thinking. His highest self doesn't beat his son. His his highest self doesn't yell at his grandkids to stop horse playing and, and roughhousing. Like that's that's his high self. And his high self gives a fuck that I'm doing this. His high self wants to be there and encourage me to go through this and walk this path. And that was really cool because so much of my fear had been, I don't want my dad to be granddad. I don't want him to yell at the kids. He doesn't have to do that. Like he can just fucking have fun and play and love them and not parent them or try to teach them shit. Just enjoy the time with them, you know? So there was so many lessons in coming back stateside mm -hmm. because the medicine was still working. Yeah, and... <clears throat> I think recognizing that we draw these hard lines between ceremony and then not ceremony, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and those lines are bullshit. You know, like the minute you're on the path, there are lessons available to you at all different points at all different times, whether you're on a psychedelic or not on a psychedelic. Like we got to collapse this idea that there's certain times where things are meaningful because we're in ceremony and certain times where things aren't mm -hmm. like life is ceremony. 
And it's going to certainly increase the pace when you have a psychedelic in your system and you're kind of on the way out. You know, that dream was probably more vivid than your dream normally would have been. It was so much more vivid that you actually took it and paid attention to those forces of anger that were inside. But we have these dreams all the time. (laughs) You know, we have these things that we can pay attention to all the time. But if we discard it as, oh, this is just waking life, this is just dreams, this is just... We won't learn. You know, we won't get as much out of it as we potentially can. We won't be conscious to the tests. You know, you're talking about these tests and ceremony, and and as you guys have mentioned, they're continuing always. And I think that we see the um, the benefit of of showing up for ourselves in the best way possible in those, and we feel the repercussions, self imposed, of what happens when we decline them because we refuse to see the divinity in it. We say, "Oh, this is just." Uh, I'm fr- I'm stressed, you know, this is just another challenge in my day-to-day. Well, this is just as much of a spiritual test as anything. I think, you know, a lot of people have an idea that they want to seek a spiritual path and we forget that we're always, always on one. And all of our, every moment is an opportunity to treat it, you know, like as an opportunity to give it meaning, give it reason, give it purpose, and, and uh feel the benefit of that as we go forward instead of the opposite feeling. Yeah, look at every single thing. This is a spiritual test. Mm-hmm. Like what if you literally looked at everything that happened? Like you order some food and it comes back all fucked up. And you go, instead of being like, what the fuck? You know, <laughs> huh, this is a spiritual test. Oh, I ordered medium rare. It came back medium well. This is a spiritual test. <laughs> you know, like how yeah, am I going be, to how am I going to cool respond experiment. to this? You know, like if you respond to everything that way, you're gonna level up so fucking fast and you're gonna enjoy life so much more. And resistance, you know, if I I even just like a workout, I don't wanna do that. Ugh, I can't do that. Like how much do we say that to ourselves all the time? I can't do that. I don't want to. Um, you know, that sucks. And just kind of leaning in always um, and and just as an experiment to see what life has to offer if you respond as much as you possibly can, you know, in the most courageous and c- conscious way. Um, I think it'd be cool to try out for sure. Mm-hmm. I also like to and if pretend it's a workout, like, if it's a workout, then there's like the spiritual test goes both ways. Is it is my ego so active in desiring mm-hmm. to be fed that I need to work out because I think that I'm fat or I think that I'm skinny and I got to do this even though my body's telling me not to. Like so maybe the spiritual test is to go no, actually I don't need to work out today. Or maybe you're just a little fatigued and you got some inflammation and you really actually do need to get the body moving to start the healing cascade to get your system back right and actually start to feel good about yourself again so the spiritual test is getting up off your fucking ass and getting in there and working out but you don't know you have to just look at this like okay this is the spiritual test what's the what's the right choice and And that's that sense of knowing the sense of knowing and you know how that translates back to the plant medicine space i think is a lot of times, not only do we get super challenged, but sometimes we're underwhelmed and people get frustrated because they have, maybe they don't throw up on ayahuasca or they didn't see anything or they didn't have some profound epiphany. Or like my, when I went to do the medicine in Costa Rica, um, I had this like hours of just kind of comfortable laying. <laughs> and I was like, this isn't working. But you know, maybe my, and then I finally, it took me all night long to realize that, oh, this was your medicine. You get some grace now. You get some gentleness. You get some time with yourself to uh, to confront those expectations. 
So um, in the same ways that we can offer ourselves knowing and like grace, gentleness, you know, take a day off, don't be obsessed with fixing yourself and doing the most all the time. It's, you know, how can I listen more to myself and, and accept the peacefulness and not always be, you know, wind at my face to prove myself. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. So much, I think that that is heightened when it comes to medicine ceremonies. And it's certainly, I've been, a, uh, I've shot myself in the foot many times with ayahuasca where I'm like, I want all the downloads, you know, like, <laughs> come on, I'm all yeah. purge, all shit. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Let's go. And, and oftentimes it's more about relaxing into it and, and you get what you need, not what you want every single time. Right. But like so much of that is true in life in general. Mm-hmm. And there is beauty in peace. There is beauty in just, ah, everything's okay. I don't have to chase that thing. You know, I don't mm-hmm. have to desire and want and need and, and long for this thing. And, and in doing that, keeping it out in front of me rather than embodying whatever yes. I have right now and appreciating whatever I'm embodying right now. I've had a, um, one of the tools that's given me a ton of peace in my life is transitioning to, to believing, um, as they say in The Alchemist, that the universe is conspiring for you. So when you're confronted with a challenging or just like a frustrating little mundane thing, like, you know, missing the green light or you just, everything's just going the wrong way, you know, having faith that your divine timing, it may be all contingent on whether you don't make that light or you don't get that parking space, you don't get that job, you know, maybe lose, lose a job or don't get one that you really want and just going, okay. Universe, you have something else for me. Okay, well, or here's your spiritual to... test. One, yeah. Are you going to get frustrated or are you going to take these extra 60 seconds of peace to be at peace? You know, like being bored and like being like wanting, kind of craving something more is projecting yourself out of the present moment into a future, into a reality where you're comparing your current reality to another reality that you hypothesize is better and which is ruining your current reality. Like that's not passing the spiritual test of the moment, you know. That's like that's like turning in your fucking pop quiz on that test. It's, it's kind with of with all the fucking <laughs> bubbles marked wrong, you know. And that's going to get returned back to you with an F for that current spiritual test that you have. And that's cool because we're going to have a lot of Fs that come back. But recognizing that and going like, huh, all right, well, my spiritual test now is to be at peace and be simple and not have to go through anything and just integrate and be present. I have one piece of homework that's along <laughs> this topic because this reminded me of a, of, a, of a little exercise I tried. So I think Ram Das once said, if you think you're, you're enlightened or you think you're awakening, spend a week with your family, right? <laughs> because that's who you've had the most long-term history and trauma with. And I think mo- most people would understand that just from fucking the statement, right? But maybe something that's a little less obvious when it comes to boredom because what you're saying is exactly true right and then that's that longing for something a state of being that's different than what is the next time you go to the dmv enjoy your experience (laughs) however the fuck that may be i've been been at the dmv and you get that letter and the three numbers after and you're like motherfucker this is gonna be Uh an hour and a half and a lot of people leave but just for me to sit there There's been times where I, you know, many times I'll listen to podcasts and I'll be laughing to myself and enjoying it. And, uh, you know, the last time I went, 
I didn't have my headphones. They were in my other fanny pack. One of the issues of having Ooh. multiple fanny packs. And I, was like, and I was like, oh, right when I opened the fanny pack, the zipper, I was like, oh, man, this is going to sting. And I thought that, and it made me laugh. And in that, I was like, all right, well, I can just fucking close my eyes here. And, that you know, the chair's uncomfortable. There's people that stink and, ch you know, children in there going, ah just fucking losing their goddamn mind as they should yeah and to find peace in that moment that was the big test and i it's, think that's a really excellent place equal place. to spending time with family mm -hmm. the dmv is an excellent place you if you can find happiness there you can do it fucking you anywhere. got that Damn. pop quiz and you filled out the bubbles <laughs> your way and the universe <laughs> smiles and turns it back with a big fucking red hundred and a smiley face on that shit I think I was getting my nails done recently and I didn't have headphones or anything and she's just doing my nails and it's just the sounds of the salon and like a Michael Jackson video in the corner and I'm like, what am I supposed to be doing? I guess I could think about, you know, stuff and there's this sort of compulsion to always be in like a, a, play, a space that you find pleasant and or be doing something productive and you can when, you, when it's available to you, great. And when it's not there's your opportunity to sit with yourself and just be and be content with that. And I think that's something I accessed in Peru that was so juicy was like, there's nothing but time there. You're just sitting there on a hammock or, you know, in the nature or whatever, if you're outside of ceremony and being okay with that. And I, I it was like very accessible there. And for some reason it's, it's harder in the natural world, or this mm. is not the natural world, <laughs> the whatever world. this is, this reality. You, to you practice, you practice there, and then you learn what you practice there, and then you try mm -hmm. to apply it back here. I mean, that's the reason for this. That's the reason for psychedelics. That's the reason for all this. You know, go somewhere to practice. Reason for fucking sports. You know, the reason for sports isn't to score the most points so that you have the most point total at the end of your life. Like, that's not why. The reason for sports is you practice these hard things, practice training yourself to become better, practice competing, practice knowing yourself in success and knowing yourself in failure, knowing when you did your best, knowing when you didn't do your best, knowing when you prepared the most. It's about knowing yourself. It's a, it's a little practice world. And same with ceremony, same with everything, so that you can live life, and I think the Buddhists call it sadhana, like spiritual practice, like live life mm -hmm. as sadhana. And if you can do that, and then you're, you're playing the game right. And then you pass on to the next level of this thing and go like, oh, yeah, Earth. <laughs> I learned some shit, you know. And if you can say that, I think you got it made. We did it, fam. We did it. We, we did still it. have more to talk about tribes, but let's make people wait for that, yeah. you know. Let's not rush it. <laughs> we're not going anywhere. <laughs> we're not going anywhere. So we'll talk more about that some other time. Yeah, we're going into the desert next week. I potentially know, potentially I um, get my face in order so we should we may we'll come back with some some medicine i think yeah some burning man revelations <laughs> it was so great to be able to share this medicine space with you guys i love you guys Always. so much i love, I love you. you looking too. forward to the next journeys in life and in practice world and in all the worlds aho 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 see everybody right. peace bye Thanks for tuning in to both of these podcasts. Hopefully, everybody, again, follow Kyle Kingsbury. He's at Kingsboo. And follow Caitlin Howe on Instagram. These guys are my family. I love them so much. I hope you love them as well. And I'll absolutely keep you guys filled in on all of my adventures. If you go to my blog right now, aubreymarcus.com, you can actually look at some of the written insights I had from my Wachuma Masada journey. So make sure to explore that. And of course, sign up for the newsletter and leave a review on the podcast. That's much appreciated. 
And of course, you can also go to onit.com slash Aubrey and get 10% off all of the goodies, some of which I'm using to heal my body, particularly the krill oil and the joint oil. Keep that inflammation low so my body can do what it needs to do. I love you guys. Thank you so much. Peace.